Well, good morning. So good to be here. You can grab a seat. It's uh, great to have you here. If we haven't met, my name's Dean, and it's uh, just great to be gathered here this morning. And we are, if you uh, haven't been here, uh, we're in a series as a church right now called Joy Unspeakable. And we're thinking about what it looks like, where joy comes from, and what the, the kind of promise of having an incredible joy in our lives that is not dependent on how things are going, what that could look like. Uh, it comes to us from this verse. It's kind of our theme verse for the series from uh, 1 Peter 1.8. And uh, if you haven't, uh, I encourage you as well. Great verse to memorize if uh, you're tracking with us through this series. Where Peter, he's writing a letter to some early followers of Christ. They're in a rough situation. Uh, they're being persecuted. It's tough. It's a bad, difficult time. And yet this is how he describes their faith. He says, though you have not seen him, though you've not seen Jesus, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. He says, and, and it's uh, from that that we get this whole idea of joy unspeakable, this inexpressible joy. Peter says, this is what your life is like. And, it, and this verse holds out the promise to all of us who call on Jesus as Lord and Savior to say, this is what our lives can look like. To be people who have an incredible love that is profound from the very depths of who we are for Christ. And that out of that flows as well this kind of inexpressible and sometimes unexplainable joy. That even when uh, we are going through adverse circumstances and life seems to be kind of choppy and up and down, there is a joy that carries us straight through it. And so... But what we have to ask ourselves is, so how? And, and if, if you're like me, sometimes I wonder, does my life reflect that? Do, am I as a Christ follower? Am I experiencing that? And, and as we look through the scriptures, we get more and more insight into how we actually get to live this life. And so for the series, a little quick recap, bring you up to speed. The first week we looked at Acts chapter 1 where Jesus gives some final instructions to his followers. And he tells them basically, you know, you got to wait for the empowerment of my Holy Spirit. The life I've called you to, the life I dream for you, the life I want for you, it's only possible through the empowerment of my Holy Spirit in you, through getting saturated with me, soaking wet with my presence in your life. And then we, last week, we looked at uh, Philippians, which is this letter written by another guy who's in tough situations. He's in jail. Paul's in jail. And yet he writes this letter, and every other word out of his mouth is joy this and rejoice that. And you just see, here's a guy experiencing terrible circumstances we wouldn't want. And yet he had incredible joy, and he kind of gives us some insight. He says, you know what my life is about? I want one thing. I want to know Christ. That actually is we just make that our focus, to know Christ. That's where we start to get more and more saturated with his presence. Where we get to experience more and more joy. And today, we're going to continue to look at, you know what, if, if you're a person who's here today, and you think, you know what, I, I believe in Christ. You've already been given his Holy Spirit, but you find yourself saying, I want more of that joy. I want more love for Christ and passion for him in my life. We're going to look at, at some more teaching in scriptures where that comes from. And if I had a, a title for the message today, it's all you have to do is ask. In fact, why don't you turn to somebody next to you and just say, all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask. Now, now say it like you're not like you kind of, uh, you know, or some of you are like, what are you going to ask me for? I don't know. Uh, what all you got to do is ask. No, wait, no, you got more than ask. Just, uh, I love this phrase. Um, I, I was reading a story recently uh, uh, about Steve Jobs, who's founder of Apple and designer of so many of the things that we use every day, and he was describing some of his early experiences. And he, when he was 12 years old, 
he wanted to build a, um, I forgot the name of it. I had it earlier, but I knew I'd, I'd forget it. A, and some of you would, would build these. I build them in my spare time as well. And uh, when he was 12, he wanted to build a frequency counter. And I know when I was 12, that was what I wanted to do as well. But I, despite that desire, I never really moved on it. But Steve Jobs was different. 12 years old, he wants to build one. And he's trying to think, you know, how am I going to go about this? And he decides to call up a guy named Bill Hewlett. How many people know Hewlett Packard? Hewlett Packard Computers, HP. HP, if you've ever seen the HP. Uh, the founder, one of the co-founders was, Hewlett, was Bill Hewlett. And, and Steve Jobs, he's 12 years old, and he decides, I'm going to look him up in the phone book. Remember those? Phone books, hey? And uh, he literally looks him up in the phone book. His number's in the phone book, and he calls him up. Hi, my name's Steve. I'm 12 years old. I want to build a frequency counter. And he says, Bill Hewlett kind of laughs and chuckles. I mean, imagine this. You're a founder of this big, you know, leading, you know, computer company. A little 12-year-old calls you up. And Steve says, I wondered if you had any spare parts that I could borrow. And Hewlett kind of, so he chuckles and laughs and says, yeah, actually, actually I do. I'm, I'm sure I could rustle some of that up for you. And not only that, but he invites Steve and says, you know what, how about this summer when you're out of school, uh, you could come work in my manufacturing place where we build frequency counters. And Steve Jobs talks about how, and then that was like heaven for him as a 12-year-old. Again, there was nothing more I would have loved to do as a 12-year-old, spend my summer building frequency counters. You know what, um, I don't know. I don't really need to, I don't care how many frequencies are out there. I'm not going to count them. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's plenty. And, um, but, so Steve, and he reflects back on this. You know, because oftentimes people think, you know, how did you get to be, get to do this, experience that, see this, see that? How did you get there? And he says, kind of reflecting back on that early experience, he said, you know what? I've never found anyone who said no or hung up the phone when I called. I just asked. And when people ask me, I try to be as responsive to pay that debt of gratitude back. Most people, and this is the part I love, he says, most people never pick up the phone and call. Most people never ask. He says, and that's what separates sometimes the people that do things from the people that just dream about them. And I, and I, I, I want us to really reflect on this whole idea of what does it be, mean to be a person who asks? Because a lot of us might sit here this morning and think, I want that life of joy described in those verses. I would love to know a joy that I could be locked up in jail and still just feel like there is just joy in my heart and in my life. Some of you are, are followers of Christ that would love to go, I would love to have a, a heart that kind of beats with passion for Christ, where I don't kind of just go to church on Sunday because uh, I have to or supposed to and I go through some motions, but no, actually I wish somewhere deep in my heart was like this, just that I was passionate for Christ. That I loved to gather for worship. That, that it looked a little bit like what we saw in 1 Peter 1.8. And if you find that in your heart and in your life, then what we're going to see today is that to a large degree, all you have to do is ask. In Luke chapter 11, uh, Jesus teaches some of his disciples about how to pray. Uh, his disciples, they, they, uh, they've seen John the Baptist. He teaches his kind of followers, the people he's teaching. He's taught them how to pray. They say, Jesus, we want to know how to pray. Teach us how should we pray. And Jesus, in Luke chapter 11, first he gives them there the Lord's Prayer, which many is familiar with. And there's a version there, Luke's uh, according of it. And then after that, Jesus continues to teach them about prayer. 
And we're often familiar with that first part, but this is how Jesus continues to teach them about how to pray, and this is what he says. It says, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say, friend, everybody loves to have somebody call him friend at midnight. <laughs> hey, friend, you are not my friend right now. He said, friend, uh, lend me three loaves of bread. Like, really? A friend of mine? On a journey, has just come to me. Don't blame me. This guy just rocked up in my place, and I have no food to offer him. And he says, Jesus says, okay, so, so suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. Uh, don't bother me. Go away. Leave me alone. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, so just to, to just, here's the picture Jesus tells them. Let's just hang with this just for a moment. Jesus says it's like this. You know, you, you are, you're, you're at home one night. It's late. You're in bed and someone shows up at your house. Now, in their culture, we can't always relate to this, but they, we are a very individualistic culture. Australia is one of the most individualistic countries in the world. And so we are not used to feeling a sense of obligation necessarily in some of these moments. And I can say this because I'm officially Australian now, sworn in. So now I can say like the, the hard stuff, I'm sworn in. There's, there's no revoking that as I understand. Anyway. But we're really individualistic. So somebody shows up at our door at midnight and they're like, hey, hey, mate, mate, I've got somebody come over to my house. I'll be like, you know what? They can wait till morning. She'll be right. Okay, just no worries. Go on. No, I'm sorry. I'm not getting up. Uh, and, or, or the person comes to our house and they're like, hey, I'm here. Can I stay? Whatever. You can throw your swag in the back. That's fine. But we ain't eating right now. I'm asleep. We wouldn't feel the same sense of this is a, a what anthropologists call, they're a high group culture. When someone shows up at your house, it is absolutely imperative that you offer them hospitality. There have been all sorts of rules and things that would have governed that. It doesn't matter if they just showed up at midnight. For you to not offer them bread is a disaster. It's rude. You, you lose face. So someone shows up at the guy's house, and it's like, I can't let this happen. I can't just say to them, I have no bread. That is not an option right now. And so the person says, you know what, I'm going to go to someone else's house. It would have been probably in a, a small community, would have been sort of the picture of where they lived. And they would have gone, you know what, I'm going to find somebody who I know baked some bread today. They, they, they would have known one another. And so like, oh, you know, friend, you know what, I know you baked some bread today. Look, it's midnight. I didn't, I didn't plan it. They didn't text nothing. I had no idea. Uh, they just showed up. Can I borrow some bread? And Jesus says, now this person, you imagine, you're the person, you're like you're in bed. The kids are asleep. They have no central heating, so they probably all were sleeping on one mat in one room. The door is bolted shut. If someone comes and knocks on your door and it's about to wake up all your kids, how do you now feel about that person? You, you're like, you got to be kidding me. You're in a knock on my, you want me to get up and wake up all the kids? They just started sleeping through the night. Do you have any idea? Tomorrow's Mother's Day. You don't know what you're asking. Just let me sleep, please. That's, the, that's what you feel like. Like, are you kidding? I cannot believe you would ask me for this. Like, this is going to ruin not just my night. It's going to ruin my day. But Jesus says, you know what? Even, but this is, this is the thing about that person. Even though, so as a friend, as a friend, you're just like, no, I'm so, just sorry, dude. Go back, sort it out, whatever. I'm going to sleep. And Jesus says, even though they won't because they're friends, like the part of you that's like friends is like, no, you, you kidding me, it's midnight. 
But he says, you go and you're just like, yo, oh, I, I need this bread. I've got to do this. I know it's audacious. I know this is really probably kind of annoying right now. I know, but you don't understand. You're the only one with bread. I need the bread. Jesus says, because of that kind of asking, he will get up. He'll get, he'll wake the kids, he'll wake the family, and he will give you that bread. And Jesus unpacks it, and he says, going forward, he, he begins to spell this out with some verses we're familiar to, which find their real place and context in this teaching. He says, so, I say to you, Jesus says, so, so I say to you, here's how to pray. Here's how to ask. He says, keep that picture in mind, and I'm telling you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus says, you know what? There will be a temptation to sort of go, oh, I need this bread, I need this bread. Should I even knock? It's late, the kids are in bed. I know, he told me, don't ever do this again. You know, should I ask? Jesus says, ask, seek. Knock on that door. And Jesus continues to unpack this teaching around asking. He says this. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? This is actually kind of humorous. Like we were just like, right, yes, I would not. If you ask me for an egg, I, I won't do that. I won't give you a scorpion. That's wrong. You're like, Jesus is trying to help us see. Okay, here's ridiculous. Use, like, imagine that. Like, just picture it. You know, you kid asks you for an egg, and you're like, yeah, I'll get you an egg. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> and sticks a scorpion. Like, no, you're not going to do that. Unless you want to pay for therapy bills for a long time. But Jesus says, so if you, though you are evil, though you're sinful, though you're broken, though you, you know what, like though we get all kinds of stuff wrong, we don't get it right. Jesus like, even though that's where you're at, you wouldn't even think of doing that. He says then, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And Jesus funnels this whole thing down and kind of makes it clear that in this teaching in particular, there is a clear and distinct focus that what he's talking about is that when you pray, what does it look like to seek God for more of the Holy Spirit in your life? Now, here's what I want us to begin to, to see uh, uh, about this. There, there, all you have to do is ask. You want more joy? You want more of God's presence? You want more of God in your life? Jesus says, all you have to do is ask. And this teaching in particular is here to show us what kind of asking God desires from us. And I want us to see a, a, a few different things this morning. The first thing that we see here is this. This teaching around asking, it, it should, one of the things that it highlights for us is this. That there is always more of God's spirit to ask for. There is always more of the Holy Spirit to ask for in our lives. We, in our first week, talked a little bit about this. Do you know what? Whenever you put your faith in Christ and you believe in Jesus, and we, we, when we say, you know what, his body, his blood, that's for me, you can't even do that except by the work of God's Spirit in your life. So every person who is a follower of Christ has been given God's Holy Spirit, his presence within your life. Jesus is here teaching towards those who are uh, his followers. And he's painting a picture, not that you don't have the Holy Spirit until you ask for it, but that as God's, uh, as followers of Christ, you've been given 
the Holy Spirit, and yet there is more to seek him for. We should never, if we want more of God's spirit in our life, we have to realize this, that we must never become satisfied with what we have so far received. The picture of asking here is picturing of someone who is persistently and audaciously asking. I love uh, one of my friends, Rob Reamer, he has this saying, and he talks about when it comes to pursuing God's presence in his life, pursuing for more of the Holy Spirit. He says, I, I want to, oh, he says, this is his motto. He says, I want to be ever grateful, but never satisfied. I want to always be grateful for what God has poured out into my life. I want to be grateful for every, uh, every sense within me of God's spirit, his presence, his love, his joy, his forgiveness. I'm ever grateful. We should never be ungrateful. We should always be grateful. But we should never be satisfied. There is always more of God to know. And sometimes it can be easy to slip into complacency. When in fact, there should be a hunger and thirst for more, the scriptures say within us. That, that we know, God, there is more. And so if you want to know more joy in your life, you want to know more of God's Holy Spirit in your life, you want to know more of love for Christ, can I tell you something? It always starts with realizing there is more to seek for. There is more to ask for. There is more to pursue God for. Be ever grateful, every one of us, for all that God has done. But let us never think that we have somehow reached the point at which there's no more of God to know. No, he is infinite and beyond our wildest dreams. We will never reach the bottom. There's always more. And then Jesus says, and you know what? The pathway, the pathway to more of God's spirit, the pathway to knowing more of who he is, the pathway to knowing more of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is simply this. To become a persistent and audacious asker. All you have to do is ask. But Jesus gives us these three, kind of two, three pictures here so that we will understand exactly what that asking should look like. And he says, you know what kind of asking it is? You want more of God's spirit in your life? You want to know more of that love for Christ that the spirit can produce in you, the joy the spirit produces? You want to know more of him in your life? He says, you've got to be a certain kind of asker. That's why he tells that first story. You've got to be the kind of person who, you know what? He says, though that man will not get up because of friendship, because of his, some translations say persistent asking, some translations say audacious asking, there is just the picture of someone who is bold to just ask for what they need. And Jesus says, that's the kind of asker you got to be. You got to be, you got to be willing to knock on the door in the night. And not only that, but you got to be persistent. He says, and when he unpacks that picture, he unpacks it and he says, ask and you will receive. Now, if you're familiar with this passage or ever heard it before, you'll know this. That in Greek, it, you see it a little bit more clearly. In English, it doesn't come out as readily. But the really exact translations, lots of translations bring it out. It's not just ask and you will receive. It's ask and keep on asking. It's not just like ask, God, can I have it? And then move on with your life. It's ask and keep on asking. It's seek. And keep on seeking. It's knock on that door and keep on knocking until it opens. Not knock a couple times. I bet he's asleep. I better just figure out something else. Do you know, uh, when, when I was uh, probably 12, 13, 
hit, hit the point in life where shoes became really important. And um, some of you remember that. Some of you still on your way. Uh, some of you are like, you're far more shallow than I could have imagined, Dean. And um, uh, it was kind of the era where, where shoes suddenly became a thing, Nike, Air, all that kind of thing. And, uh, and I wanted really badly, as many of my peers did, a, a pair of, of Nike Airs. I wanted either Jordans or Flights. Flights, you know, they're worth looking up. They're an awesome series of shoes. And um, so I, I was going into high school. It was around year nine, something like that. And I'm, but for, I think it started about year, year seven. I started asking my parents, like, I just want a pair of, of flights. I want a pair of airs. I want, you know, there's certain ones I wanted. I just, I want a pair of flights. And they were like, those cost $100. That's insane. You know, shoes never used to cost that. They were, uh, at least they never cost that at Kmart, and they still don't. So my parents were like, if we can get them at Kmart for 20 bucks, I don't understand what you're paying for. So they would tell me, like, I would ask, and I would ask, and I would ask, and they're like, no, we are not spending $100 on shoes. And I'm like, why? I don't understand this. It makes no sense. It seems totally reasonable from my point of view. And, um, and they're like, no, we're not going to get those for you. And so I would ask, and I would ask, and I would ask, and they would say to me, you know, someday you'll understand this. When you make your own money, you'll understand it. So when I was uh, 14, I got my first job in the summer, uh, and I was a caddy at a golf course. And I would make about 20 bucks for uh, that, that summer uh, as a 14-year-old for a round of golf or whatever. And so I'm, I'm saving up. And as soon as I had my first $100, guess what I went out and bought? I took that first $100. Like, someday when you make your own money, I'm like, I totally understand. I took my $100, and I bought that pair of flights. All right, I get it, but it's worth it. And so... <laughs> You don't understand the life of a 14-year-old. So I got the shoes, and I got them, and I, and I had them, and I, and I wore them, and all, you know. And here's the thing. Imagine my parents had just, the first time I said, look, I, I want these shoes. And they were just like, great, you can just have them. Imagine how great that would have been. <laughs> like, just <laughs> a lot of good. And, but why, why do we, we all, we all know. What would have happened? I'd have just been another kid. Like, great. They'd have got me the shoes, and guess what? I'd have been on to the next thing like that. Oh, now all I need is like a $100 sweatshirt or $100, I don't know, fill in the blanks. By them even, by what happened, I had to actually choose. This is something I want. And every one of us knows intuitively that while it, it was painful as a 14-year-old, my parents did something that helped form at least one further step of maturity in my life, to go, it's not actually good to just be given what you ask for instantaneously. And something happened in that journey. You know, my own son, he'll ask me for things. And if you have, he's seven, he's going to be eight in July. And, and sometimes, you know, he'll, he'll ask, he'll see something. We'll be walking through a store and he'll be like, oh, dad, I want this. You know, and I'm like, you didn't even know that existed until you just laid eyes on it. Like, you didn't even know it was there. You know, and he'll be like, but I want it. I'm like, uh, he'll be like, can I have it? No. He's like, but I want it. And I'll say to him, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't really want it. Yes, I do. No, you don't. You think you do. But once we round this corner, you will forget that even existed. That is not what it means to truly want something. When you want something, it becomes something that you begin to focus your life around. When you truly want something, you begin to move in that direction. When you actually want something, you actually begin to move towards it. 
But what happens in life is we usually, we see things they, that we are, are, are off for a moment. We see it. Oh, I think I want that. This is how commercials work. You know, you're watching TV and a commercial pops on. Their whole thing, like a bunch of people sat in a room to devise one 30-second spot to make you want something. And, and their whole hope is, yep, you'll see this and you'll want it. And so here's the thing. Why? Because some of us, we could sort of go, Jesus, like you've got you know, our Heavenly Father, he's got the Holy Spirit. Why doesn't he just give it? Why can't we just ask? You know what? I asked one time. I was in church. I was here this morning. I asked God, and I said, I want more of you. And nothing didn't feel like anything happened. So what's with that? He said, it says he's going to give. It says you'll receive. Can I tell you something? Jesus wants us to understand a certain kind of asking. And it's a kind of asking that is persistent. It is an ask and keep on asking. It is a seek and keep on seeking. It is a knock on that door. How long? Until it opens. But so often, why do we not receive all that God might have for us? Because we don't ask. Oh, no, I asked. No, what we do is we go, God, I want that. That sounds great. That looks good. I'm really excited. That was great. Oh, did you see this commercial? You see what I saw over here? Oh, God, this would be great. It'd bring joy into my life. I bet that'd be a good thing. Oh, you know what else would be really cool? And we just move on and on. And, and, and we, we want lots of stuff. And we thought we asked. But Jesus says, this is what it looks like. You want more of the Holy Spirit in your life? You want that love for God to grow? You want that joy to be present no matter what? Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. How long? Until that door opens. And, and Jesus says this, and here's what's really uh, amazing is he, he, he paints this picture where he says, you know what? Uh, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Just know this. How much more does God know how to give good gifts to you? How much more will he know how, how to give the, the Holy Spirit to you? How much more can he, you know what, we think, God, that wasn't really nice what you did, God. I was asking and I felt like I didn't get what I needed. You know what, as you ask, just know this, you can trust him. And you can trust him to give you good things. I love Jesus' picture there of this you know, because it is. It's genuinely humorous, and you can't read it without going like, real, you know, like a, he, he's painting these pictures for us. And a son who asks for an egg, and, and, and father gives him a score. He's like, no, that would never happen. He's like, I mean, you got, and Jesus is like, look, it's people. You're a bit broken. You're a bit fallen. But you would never do that. You would only give your child something good, whether they realize it at the time or not. You would only give them something good. And so how much more can you trust your heavenly father? And how much more can you know that if you ask and keep on asking, and if you seek and keep on seeking, if you knock and keep on, how much more can you know he'll give you the Holy Spirit? He'll increase. You, you, he, will, he will give you exactly what you need as you continue to ask and to seek and to knock. You know, asking reminds us of something that I think is important in these verses, that the Holy Spirit is given to us. Now, as I said, everyone, if you're a follower of Christ, it's not like, do you, don't you? You have the Holy Spirit. But what Jesus is always calling us to is more. And we have to realize this, that more of the Holy Spirit, it is given. It's not earned. You never get to go, God, 
I did X, Y, and Z. I saved up all summer. I was good. I earned it. It's my, no. It is given. That's why you ask. And not only is the spirit given, but you can trust that God will give good to you. Do you know, I know some people who, I've met people who at times, they, they would not want to ask God for more of the Holy Spirit because they, they don't really know what that will look like or what would happen. I've met some people who sort of have, have felt like, but what if I ask God for more of the Holy Spirit? And what if I end up, you know, speaking in tongues? I've heard some crazy things. I don't know. What does happen? I'm not sure. Or what if I don't? What if I ask God? What if I'm asking God and I'm seeking and I'm knocking, but it's like nothing happens and I don't feel any different and nothing takes place? Can I just tell you something? You don't have to worry about that. We seek the giver, not different experiences or manifestation or anything else you want to call it. We're called to ask and seek and knock after one thing. God himself, his presence in our lives, the gift of his Holy Spirit. And we can trust that no matter what happens, it will be for our good. Whether we get it at the time or not. We can trust that if we've been seeking and knocking and knocking on that door a long time and it just feels like I'm not sure what's coming, you can trust that God's doing something even when you can't see it. He's good. You can trust him. You don't have to worry. Our role is very simply to become persistent and audacious askers. People who say, God, I know there's one thing I need. And it's more of you in my life. It's more of your spirit. It's more of your love and more of your joy. It's not something I can earn my way to. It's not something I can action my way to. God, I get that I have one role, and that is simply to be an asker. To be an asker. Wouldn't you love to just be a good asker? Wouldn't you love to be somebody who just... When you thought about all the things you could ask for and you thought about all the things you could seek for and you thought about all the doors you could knock on, that you actually said this one thing is what I seek after, this one thing, and that is to ask God for more of himself. God, I want more of you. We talk as a church about being a place that passionately pursues the presence of God. That only happens as we become a people who with passion say, God, the one thing I want is more of your presence in my life. And I will be ever grateful for all that you do in my life. But I'll never be satisfied and think that somehow I've reached the end. I want to ask and keep on asking. I want to seek and keep on seeking. I want to knock and keep on knocking. I want to be, God, I want to be an asker. You know, I want to encourage you in uh, this series and in this uh, joy unspeakable that and, and the reason I love this message is because, I, you know, it just makes it so simple. It actually takes all the pressure off of us and allows us to just kind of feel at joy and at peace knowing that God is the giver of all good gifts. And all we have to do is to be children who ask. And, if, and one thing I'd, I'd encourage you to do at this time, through this series, Joy Unspeakable, is we just reflect on all that God wants to pour out. Maybe today. Maybe today to just kind of uh, do a little heart check. And maybe just to ask yourself, am I, am, I an, am I asking, am I an asker like I see in this picture? 
or, or, or am I an asker like every time something new pops up in front of me, I get a little bit distracted? And don't feel shame or guilt about that. Boy, I battle that. Boy, I have to kind of go, God, you know, I wanted to be an asker and seeker, and how did I just get so, and then I thought I wanted this or I want. No, it's, it's a challenge for all of us. And the world is kind of tailor-made to distract us from this one thing. But maybe just check your heart and go, you know, am I an asker? And maybe just decide in your own heart, you know, just say, you know, Lord, I do, I want to be an asker. And I'm asking you today, Lord, would you begin to reveal more of yourself to me? Lord, would you pour out more of your Holy Spirit into my life? I want to seek you. I want to know you more. Grateful for all you've ever done. But, Lord, I know there's more, and I want to ask you for more. And whatever you have for me, I trust in what you have for me. And I trust in the journey you'll take me on. Because I know you're a good father who wants to give me good gifts. Would you become an asker today? A persistent, audacious asker. I want to encourage you to bow your head just for a moment, just where you are. And just going to pray. Uh, a real simple prayer. There's nothing real complex about this. But as I pray, as I ask God to just pour out just a little bit more into our lives, can I encourage you, if you want to be a part of this prayer, we're just going to ask God uh, just to continue to pour out more of himself. And if you want to just receive that, whatever that looks like. You can just open your hands in front of you right where you are. Open hands always allows us to remember we are simply receivers. We bring nothing to the table but open hands and open hearts. Lord, as we sit here today, we ask you for more of you. We sit with open hands Say, Lord, we know we bring nothing to this. We cannot earn. We cannot achieve it. But today we, we ask for more of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We ask for more of your presence among us. We ask that you'd pour out a little bit more onto us and into us and out from us. Streams of living water that they'd flow like never before with it. We ask that we might know a greater love for you. That we might have a more single-minded focus on you. And that, Lord, we would find in you all that we need. So, Lord, would you just pour out a little bit more to each one of us? Would you make us more persistent? more audacious askers. Lord, even this week, times when we might have just gotten distracted or turning left or right, Lord, that something in your spirit would call us back to our first love, to seek after you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody agreed, said, amen, amen. Well, we're going to head out of here in uh, just a few moments. But I want to encourage you, uh, 
uh, one of the things coming up next week. Next week, uh, part of this series as well, if you've been here, is we're leading up to what's called Pentecost Sunday. It's the day we celebrate uh, God pouring out uh, the Holy Spirit at, at Pentecost. It's just as we celebrate the birth of, of Christ and at Christmas and the, the cross and the resurrection at Easter. It's a, a moment we remember when God poured out his spirit to overflowing uh, at Pentecost. And so uh, one of the things we're going to do as well next Sunday night uh, after our 5 p.m. service at 7. Uh, so if you come to the morning service, same service in the evening. But at 7 o'clock, uh, we're going to gather for a night called uh, Pursue. It's just a worship night. It's just a night to just to worship God. And it's not a, a you know, we, we it's just a night to, to just spend we, no message. We just, I don't know, for a, an hour, two hours, it, it, we just worship. You can come and go if you need to leave. But it's just a chance to gather and just say, God, we're just here to worship you. We, we are not... Uh, here wanting to, you know, kind of even almost receive, but just say, Lord, we want to worship you and receive whatever you have for us. It's a great space just to pursue God. It's great space to just put him, uh, to just kind of say, you are first in my life. I don't want to gather around you and encourage you to come along and be a part of that. It's one of those spaces that we can just wait on him. It's a place where we can seek and knock and, and all those things. So next week, Sunday night, 7 o'clock, it's going to be a, a fantastic night. Um, and so that, that's coming up. Now today as well, we're going to be heading out in just a moment. In fact, you can stand up because we're going to head out in just a moment. And I'm going to just pray one last time over us as we head out into our weeks. There's a, a bunch of fun stuff happening. So hopefully you can stick around. The kids can play. You can uh, grab a cup of coffee or food if you want, 115. There's free coffee outside and upstairs. And uh, just a chance to now, we've been able to come gather around Christ, worship him. It's been great to have you as a part of that. And now we got a chance to just spend time uh, enjoying one another and uh, celebrating this great day God has given us. Let me pray for us as we go. Lord, we thank you that we've been able to meet in your presence today. And we ask that as we go from this place, Lord, we go uh, a little bit more full of you into our days and into our weeks. And that, Lord, your love that you have so richly poured out in us would flow out of us into our families, into our workplaces, into our communities. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.